Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. In studying, preparing for my Bible message this evening, I have learned that there are three basic characteristics that a person has to endure if they're going to have a see in him who is invisible experience. If you're going to have this experience, there's going to have to be some heartache in your life. If you're going to have this experience, you're going to have to go through some loneliness in your life. And if you're going to have this experience, you're probably going to go through some type of a reproach, an embarrassing place in your life. These three characteristics has a way of humbling us down. It has a way of waking us up and sobering us up to reality. The story of Moses is an incredible story. The way that uh, his parents seen him as a proper child. And there had been a commandment that was given that every little Hebrew boy that was born was to be put to death. But according to the Bible, the Word of God, when his parents looked on him, there was something that they identified with the little infant child, Moses, that he was a proper child, that he was not a child to be thrown away, not a child to be thrown in the river to drown as the king's commandments were. But there was something special. He was proper, and he was a keeper. He was worth saving. And, and so the story is that the story begins uh, when Moses' mother uh, become expecting with child. And as she began to draw closer to the time of delivery when she got closer and closer to the place where uh, her due date was coming. Uh, she began to think about the possibilities of having to drown her baby if it happened to be a boy. In that hour, there was no such thing as uh, uh, the uh, checking and testing and uh, what do they call it? Monograms. There was no such thing as the monograms and and uh, they had no idea whether it was going to be a male or a female. And, uh, but, but Moses' mother made preparation just in case it is a boy. We've got a plan. I'm going to save my baby. 
I'm going to save my baby. I don't know how it was that, that she came up with this incredible idea of, of, of putting, him, putting him in a, a, a basket. They, they, she come up with an idea to create a basket and to uh, handcraft a basket that would float in the Nile River. And her, her plan was that we'll put baby Moses in this basket and let him float in the Nile. And her sister, his sister is, is, is going to watch him and, and, and just be close by in case some kind of impending danger starts to take place. And, and just as, as God, God would have it. That's how it was. God had it all orchestrated. It just so happened that where Moses' mother had put uh, baby Moses in the river Nile, that, that that was just happened to be the spot and the place where Pharaoh's daughter would go to bathe that day. And, and it just so happened... It just so happened, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, but I don't believe it just so happened. I, I believe it was all by divine providence. I believe that God had instructed every bit of it to take place. And it just so happened that baby Moses felt a little urge to cry. And, and little babies sometimes want to cry. And, and Moses responded to the temptation to cry. He didn't know he was not supposed to speak. He did not know that he was so supposed to keep silent. But baby Moses is crying. And, and all of a sudden Pharaoh's daughter is bathing. And, and they hear a baby cry. And, 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 and one of Pharaoh's maidens run over and and identifies it's a little Hebrew baby. And, and uh, so the next thing we find that, that Miriam steps up and, and Pharaoh's daughter is, you know how a woman's heart is with a little newborn baby. That's, it's soft and, and it's moved with compassion. Listen, you call it what you want to, uh, but I call it by divine plan of God that her heart was moved with compassion. Uh, she could have been the hateful old man, uh, hateful person that that Pharaoh was and killed that baby right now, but that was not what was in her emotions at that moment. Uh, this baby ain't going to die. I'm going to take this baby home with me, and, and I'm going to give this baby the best of raise, and I'm, I'm going to give this baby the best of education, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adorn this child with riches. Uh, I know it's a little Hebrew baby, but I'm, I'm going to give it the fine luxuries that Egypt has to offer. That was what happened. That, that was the story of baby Moses. And baby Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. Baby Moses is raised with the riches of Egypt. Baby Moses has the finest of everything of a child his age could have. And, and so we find that as time goes by, finally Moses 
realizes that he's not uh, an Egyptian, but he is a Hebrew. And, and, and he realizes that the Hebrews are all slaves, and he lives in a palace, and he has servants. He's got education. He's got tutors, and he's got teachers that are instructing him the classy lifestyle of the Egyptians. But this is not adequate. This is not sufficient. Uh, Moses, there was something that his mother had put on the inside of him as a young child. You're not an Egyptian, she would teach him uh, as she nursed him up to get of age where he could go live uh, with Pharaoh's daughter. He was, he was in kindergarten. Uh, he was in pre-K. He didn't even know what was going on. Uh, but his mama was putting something deep in his spirit uh, about the Hebrews. Uh, God's your God. You don't worship idols and idolatry. You're a, you're a God called person, and, and, and he had that attitude, and, and he grew up, and he grew up, and he had the riches of Egypt and all of the wonderful things that Egypt had to offer, but that was not the man that God had uh, spared his life to be. Moses, you've got to have some heartache. You've got to have some loneliness. You've got to have some hours and some days and some times that you're not going to know how the outcome is going to be. There's going to have to be some days you're not going to know, and, and you can't get that kind of education in Egypt. Uh, you know about the wealth, and you know about the fame, and you know about this and that and all of the craziness of, of Egypt. But I'm telling you, you're not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. And, and so life goes on, and, 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 and God's, got a, God's got a purpose for Moses. God is trying to groom somebody and raise somebody and, and establish somebody that knows how to be a great warrior and how to be a great leader. And, 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 and Moses is out one day, and, and, and according to historians, at this point in his life, he's, he's probably uh, up in his 30s, and, and uh, he's, he's out, and, and, and he sees uh, an Egyptian uh, as they are taking a whip, and they're beating a, uh, an Israelite. And, and there was something that rose up on the inside of Moses, and before he knew knew it he had killed a man and he decided that that what he would do would be hide hide them in the ground and and bury them so nobody would see him and 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 when Moses realized that he had he had done something wrong trying to defend the Israelites uh, the next day he's out and about and somebody somebody sees him and said oh are you going to uh, kill me like you killed one of, he was talking to one of the Egyptians and, and the Egyptian says, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptians yesterday? And as soon as Moses heard this, he knew he was a wanted man and he was on the run. The word was out. And this was part of the process. 
God spent 40 years of Moses' life getting him, preparing him to do the job that he wanted to do, that he wanted him to do. God spent 40 years, and God spends the next 40 years of Moses' life to get his spirit willing to do it. Moses goes and he runs for his life, fleeing from Egypt. And he runs and he leaves. He leaves the Israelites. They're being held captivity and slavery and in bondage. He leaves them behind and, and he flees. And it was a total of about 40 more years. Uh, at this time, Moses is now at the age of around 80 years old. And he's on the backside of the desert. He's got a family. He's got children. He's running. He's just doing whatever he pleases to do. But as he's out on the backside of the desert, tending to the herd, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was a bush that began to burn. And, and that bush burned, and, and, and Moses, that was not an uncommon thing in that day. It was a hot, dry climate. But typically, the bush would burst into flame, and it would burn for just a few seconds, and then it would be consumed, and, and, and that was a normal day of life out on the hot desert, out on the backside of the desert. Moses has spent 40 years tending to the flock of his father-in-law and, and, and just trying to make do in life, not living the life of luxury, but he forsook that. He walked away from that kind of a life. He walked away from it. He, he chose the affliction of the people of God more than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than riches and the treasures of Egypt. That's what Moses was desiring. God knew the desire of the man. God had groomed him and prepared him for a chore. God had gave him an incredible assignment. I need somebody that's got education. I need somebody that's got some intellect about them. Somebody that knows about the Egyptian ways. I need somebody that's been trained by the Egyptians to go and to talk to Pharaoh. And now, all of a sudden, we find Moses, 80 years has passed by since that day that he was taken out of the river Nile. 80 years has come and 80 years has went. And now we find Moses, he's standing and there's a bush on fire. Nothing uncommon, nothing unusual. But the unusual thing about this burning bush it was burning, but it was not being consumed. You want to know, somebody said, how do we know that, that there's a place called hell? 
that the, the fire's going to burn forever. Let me tell you something. You'll have to ask God about that. How can you, how can a man or a woman be tormented through the endless ages of eternity? God knows how to make a non-consuming, tormenting fire. God is the one. Moses turns aside to look at this sight, a bush burning, but yet it's not being consumed. The normal bush only lasts a few seconds and the fire's gone. But now he's been over there uh, tending to the flock and, and he's been herding around the sheep and he keeps looking at this bush and it's burning and it's burning and it's burning and it's burning and he looks back and it's still burning and Moses decides I'm going to go over there and see what's going on I, this is not common this is this is unusual to see something like this Moses goes over and when he gets close to the fire there's a voice that came out of that fire there was a voice that began to speak that's something unusual. That's not normal. Have a bush talk to you. And the next thing the bush said, Moses, the ground that you're standing, it's holy ground. Take off your shoes. Whatever you've been walking in is filthy. Take off your shoes. This is a holy place. Moses he didn't know what was going on, but I'll tell you what he did. He took his shoes off. He was out in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't nobody around. There was no eyewitnesses, eyewitnessing what he was doing. And he walks up to that fire, and God begins to give him the commission and give him the mandate to go to Pharaoh and to tell my people, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go that they may go and serve me. Moses said, how do I know? What, what, what am I going to tell him? What am I going to tell Pharaoh? Who can I tell him that sent me? You just tell him, I am sent you. That's good enough. He said, Moses, what's that in your hand? It's a rod. Throw it on the ground. When he did, it turned into a snake and started slithering around and crawling around. And that bush, that bush said, take it up. When he picked it up by the tail, it went back into a rod. Moses, take your hand, stick it into your bosom. And when he pulled it out, it was covered with leprosy. Let me tell you something. God was talking to Moses. Moses acted under strict obedience to God. He went to Pharaoh. 
He began to talk to Pharaoh. He began to plead with Pharaoh. Listen, the more Moses talked to the Egyptians, the harder the work became. And Moses, the people were all excited when Moses showed up. But when Moses started trying to get Pharaoh to let God's people go, they started giving them more work to do. They started, it was the exact reverse effect that Moses thought it would have. I'm sure Moses thought when he went and told uh, Pharaoh about the rod and about the leprosy and, and about the bush and, and about this and about that, I, I, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that Moses thought that was going to be all it takes. That wasn't all it took. Moses got to know what heartache was about. Moses learned what loneliness was about. He would walk, he would walk among the Israelites, and they would turn and ignore him being there. They would turn their back on him. They were, they were telling Moses, let us alone. Leave us here so we can serve the Egyptians. You're making... Making life worse on us. Leave us alone. That's what they were telling. And so Moses learned what heartache was about. And he, met, he learned what being lonely and being ignored was all about. Not being the accepted. You would think that he came with a message that God's going to give you a lamb that flows with milk and honey. That everybody would have been on board and been excited about it. But it wasn't like that. It was the exact opposite. There was even a time that, that Moses was having trouble with his own sister Miriam, the one that pulled him out of the River Nile. He was, he was having issues with his own brother Aaron. He knew what reproach was about. He knew what it felt like to be done wrong. This is part. This is listen, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna be a person that's got that's got the experience of seeing him who is invisible, it's going to incorporate some problems in your life. You can have the great testimony. But the testimony, remember, involves a test to get a testimony. You got to be tested. You got to be tried. You got to go through some heartache. You got to go through some loneliness. You got to go through some rejection. You got to go to a place where, where everybody ain't going to like you. This is not popular preaching. This is real preaching. This is the real stuff right here, man. This is this is what what this is where the rubber meets the road. We've got listen, there's going to be some heartache involved in this. There listen, if you want to get to the place where you've got faith in God. If you want to get to the place where 
they can record your name in the Heroes Hall of Fame. You got to get to the place that you can see a God that is invisible. And that God may be speaking to you from an unusual circumstance. Maybe it's a burning bush and maybe he gives you these unusual signs and and witnesses and 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 but 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 you just keep going you just keep going you just keep moving you just keep living right you keep doing right you keep you keep going God's got great things for you I read it to you tonight I I, I read to you about these these in the hall of fame of faith right here in Hebrews 11 through who faith subdued kingdom and wrought righteousness. Uh, they obtained promises. Uh, they stopped the mouths of lions. Uh, they quenched the violence. Uh, they escaped the edge of the sword. Uh, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, fly, in fight and, and turned to flight the armies of the enemy. Uh, and, and their women received their dead raised back to life. They saw something. They had faith. They had faith in God. He's an invisible God. We, we can't see him. All we can do is talk about we feel God in this place. You ever heard the preacher say that? I feel God in this house. And, and, and somebody's, listen, everything we do, everything we do in this walk with God, verse 1 of, of chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for out by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. That's the word of God. So that things which are uh, seen were not made of things which do appear. I'm telling you, we've got to have faith. We've got to have faith. We've got to have faith. Faith, that's the first step of being able to see the invisible God. Moses, he had so much faith that rather than enjoy the riches of Egypt, he said, I'm going to hold on to my faith. Noah, verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen yet, he moved with fear, prepared an ark. Moses heard from God, Noah heard from God, he heard from God and He had found favor in the eyes of God. That's what the Bible says. And he heard from God. Listen, he had to be a consistent person to find favor in the eyes of God. He found that, he found that divine favor. He was moved with fear. And he found favor. 
he found favor in the eyes of God. God knew it had to be somebody special. Somebody special to give an assignment like build an ark. Build an ark. And, and the size of the ark. He told them how big it was going to be. Listen, Noah didn't just jump out there and start building an ark. He didn't just start that job. Noah, 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 Noah had done seen him who was invisible. He's seen things that were not as though they were. We've got to have faith in God. We've got to have confidence in God. We've got to have, we've got to have that experience that we can see him and act and move on what we feel that he's told us. I remember, I remember 26 years ago, I moved my wife and two children to this city. I had a good life before I came here. I had a business. I was a full-time evangelist. God called me. And I came here. And I've tried to give it my best. But I was moved on by fear. I feared God. Me and my wife, we prayed, we fasted, we sought God about it. This wasn't just something we decided to do. It was something we felt from God to do it. You know why I came here? I had done seen him who is invisible. I've already had that experience. I'd done seen God work miracles. I see, listen, listen. I seen God work miracles before I ever came to Tulsa. But let me tell you something else. The chapter didn't stop there. The book didn't stop. Just kept putting chapters in it. It just kept going on and on continuation and 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 God kept doing things in our life there was times I know oh Lord oh Lord oh Lord I know what heartache is I know what it is to be disappointed I know what it is to be lonely I brought my wife up here in and 640 something miles away from her family and 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 she has a very close-knit family. And we came here. I remember going to a, a conference downtown Tulsa. They used to have a youth conference every year around the first of the year. I remember going in that conference. Nobody even spoke to me. Where I come from, everybody knew me. But I went where nobody knew me. They didn't even, didn't didn't know me, and act like to me they didn't even want to know me. They act like, in all reality, they didn't even want me in this city. And, and, and these are Christian people, and they didn't even want me here. But I, I, I was cool with all that. 
I, I, hey, hey, I know, I know what heartache is. I know what loneliness is. I know what embarrassment is. But let me tell you something. It's in those times where I was embarrassed. It was in those times where I was lonely. It was in those times, it was in those times, those tough times. It was in those times that my heart was broken. It was in those times that I was lonely. It was in those times, let me tell you something, in those lonely times of deep despair, the sin of victory smells so wonderful. And it's in those times of darkness, it was in those times of discouragement that I would go to the church. I really hate to say it like this, but it's been in my worst places in life that I had the best touch of God on my life. It's been in the most complicated places that I've ever been and ever lived, the darkest hours that God made himself so known to me. It's been in those dark hours that I got to see him who was invisible. That's who I get to see when it gets troubles, when it seems like everybody is done with me and everybody wants to throw me down. I got a friend called Jesus. And he's closer than any brother I've ever had. He can be closer than your mama and closer than your daddy. When you got problems, he knows where you're at. And that's the best time when you can see him who is invisible so clear. I just had a need pop up in my life just few days ago, seems like, just a few days, a few weeks, a few months, whatever, back. And I needed God to work something out. And I come to the church and I prayed. And I said, God, I really need this to happen. And within just a matter of a few hours, it was happening taking place but it was that day right over there somewhere I seen him who is invisible it's heartbreaks it's troubles Noah prepared an ark after he seen him who was invisible God spoke to Abraham and said, Take Isaac, thy son, to an altar of sacrifice. God, I waited on this promised child for 25 years. He takes him. And he rears back. He binds him to the altar. Some historians say that Isaac was a full-grown man. I don't know if he was. I wasn't there. 
But whatever it was, Isaac was ready to get on the altar. Abraham seen him who was invisible as he drew that sword back. And the angel caught his hand and stopped him. Jacob saw him who was invisible while wrestling in the midnight with an angel. Three Hebrew children seen the fiery furnace. Surely God will show up. But God didn't show up till they got in the fire. But when they got in the fire, they seen him who was invisible. Daniel seen him who was invisible in a lion's den. Jonah saw him who was invisible after three nights in the belly of a whale. Saul on the road to Damascus saw him who was invisible. Let me tell you about God. You will see him through an experience. For no man's ever seen God, for God is a spirit. You ain't never seen him. He's a spirit. His spirit was made flesh and dwelt among us. But a holy heartbreak, heartbreak and loneliness problems and troubles is the only thing that's going to get you to the place where you can see God and see him who is invisible. Every time I, I've ever seen God who was invisible, every time I've ever seen his hand working was when I was having trouble. Because when you're having trouble, all of a sudden everything else, it don't really matter. Because I'm going to tell you, you can have so much trouble, you're, you're dependent on God. Everybody has got to have this experience of seeing him who is invisible. You've got to get to the place that you've got faith in God. You've got to get to the place that you have confidence in God. I'm closing. Let's stand. We have to have the experience of seeing him who is invisible. I don't know of anything in your life that's as important as an experience with God. And sometimes God's got to get all the clutter out of your way 
sometimes God's got to get all the clutter out of your way before you can see God working. God's got to get all the distractions. Listen, we got distractions today. Everybody in this building has got distractions. discouragement when it seems all hope is gone it's so good to have a God that we can hear it's so good to have a God that that cares what happens to us you've got to have this see in him who is invisible experience you've got to have a place in your life you got to have a place in your life where everything stops. Just stop. Just stop everything. Just let it stop. And say, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I've done it. pin my shoulder to the mat I'm like all I know to do is just pray about it anybody ever heard me give you that answer before that's all I know because when you see him who is invisible I mean I got the Bible to go by the word of God and it all lines up with the Bible, but God don't give me detailed answers of what kind of dog food to feed your dog. God didn't give me answers to say, don't buy your gas from Quick Trip, buy it from Come and Go. I really don't think God cares where you buy it. I got a, I got the Bible right here, but there's some of that stuff I ain't, I can't find in it. And that's why you got to have that seeing Him who invi is invisible experience. You got to learn to listen for yourself. You got to learn how to have a relationship with God for yourself. If you get shipwrecked on some island, you don't have no your phone got lost in the in the shipwreck. Some of you'd be lost without that. Some of you'd be better off if you threw your phone in the trash. If you went over to the Arkansas River and as you're crossing over the river, toss it out. Because your phone don't have all the answers. I can tell you that. You go places your GPS can't even find you in the spirit. 
right. You need to have an experience with God. You may be on the backside of a desert, Moses. You've been out there for 40 years wandering around. And the strangest thing you've ever seen is a bush that wouldn't burn up. And then you get over close to that bush and you find out this is more than a burning bush. This ain't just a burning bush, this is a talking bush. And there's supernatural things happen while I'm around this bush. But it gave him faith and courage that he could go face Pharaoh. You've got to get that experience somewhere. You've got to get a hold of something somewhere. At some point, you got to get something for yourself that will push you on down the road. You got to get a hold of something that, that's going to give you divine direction. You got to get a hold of something that you know that you can go back and pray. I just preached about it. I just preached about it a few uh, weeks back. I just preached about Moses. And, and, and when Moses prayed, uh, God didn't speak to him in dreams and parable, but he spoke to him face to face. I actually put that scripture in my notes and didn't read it. But he spoke to him face to face. God said, I like you, Moses. I'm going to tell you what, Moses. Your relationship with me is going to take you back to my presence many times. And as long as you've got that connection with God, you're going to have faith. By faith, he can go stand before Pharaoh because he, he knew, he knew. Listen, listen, he knew that when they came out of Egypt, it didn't matter what they faced. He had faith that God was going to take care of every problem they had. you got to have some kind of experience that gives you faith and gives you hope and gives you confidence. You've got to have something working in your life that is real and something that is genuine. You've got to have a real relationship with God. Moses, they, they leave in Egypt. And, and in front of them is the Red Sea and behind them is Pharaoh's army. And they get up to the Red Sea and the Israelites all start griping and complaining and murmuring and talking and fussing and, and, and all kind of chaos and all kind of trouble. What are we going to do, Moses? Moses is like, just, just, just be calm. God, God brought us here. God's going to bring us out of this. We don't know how. That's how I feel most of the time as a pastor. God's brought us here. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know the future. I just know God said go. Just go. God said go to Tulsa. Just go. And I've tried to go ever since I've been here. I've been on go. I've been going. I've been going. It seems like some days I'm going backwards, but I'm going, honey. I'm getting up and going to the church. I'm getting up and going and praying. 
All I know is pray. We need, you need an answer on something? Just pray about it. God will give you an answer. And the Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh's army's coming in hot pursuit behind him. And Moses is down there and he's nervous and people are pushing and a bunch of chaos. And God says, what's that in your hand? It's a rod. Well, I took that rod and turned it into a serpent in front of Pharaoh too, like I did at the burning bush. That rod's got some power. It's got some authority. Stretch it out over that water and see what happens. The water's rolled back the wall of water on both sides. It was like, you think that, you think that aquarium in Jinx is something, that ain't nothing like you ought to see the Red Sea when it rolled back. It was like walking through a large aquarium. You could see the fish swimming. People, kids, kids probably stuck their hand in the water and 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 I don't even know if their hands got wet when they stuck their hands in the water. I don't know. And they get on the other side of the water. Now, what do we do? Pharaoh's army's still coming. Take that rod. Wave it back over that water. That water comes closing in. And Pharaoh's army's right out in the middle of the Red Sea. Hey, just keep going. You've got to have an experience where you've seen God who is invisible. You've got to get some faith in God. For without, my Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Oh, you, you understand how this world was formed. It was formed by the Word of God. we got to have faith. Listen, when you, when you start this journey with God, everything is based on faith. you got to have some faith. you got to have some confidence that God can do miracles. We're all into the tangible, touchable things. You got to see him who is invisible before you can get the miracles of the tangible and the touchable. Just in case you don't know it, you're you're standing, you're standing in the middle of a miracle right here. While you're standing in the middle of a miracle, you're looking at a miracle. say well we ain't seen him turn a rod into a serpent you've seen him raise a preacher up off of a bed of affliction I had a stroke on my right side that happens to be my right hand right there this is my right leg all of this is working right now in the house that we didn't build. We're worshiping God in a sanctuary we didn't build. I told you before the Wesleyans built it and for a year the Presbyterians were paying for it. I don't know about you but I feel blessed tonight. I don't have no reason not to have faith in God. 
I'm looking at some of you that are miracles. I'm looking at some of you that are miracles. I'm, some of you ought to start claiming your testimony tonight. You got a testimony. We're made overcomers by the word of our testimony. I'm doing my best, Sister Cordray. She said, preach it. I'm doing my best. We got to have some faith. And when you start having faith, you're going to get that seeing him who is invisible experience. Where if God tells you to go stand before wicked Pharaoh, you get the courage to do it. Fred, if we don't have that experience, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible. You can't, you can't please God without faith. Everything we do is faith-based. Come to the front. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I've been finished for 15 minutes. Y'all just been standing there looking at me. Come on, somebody needs to get that an experience tonight that you can see him who is invisible. Oh, God, in your name, I speak faith right now. I speak faith right now. I speak faith right now, God. I speak faith right now, God. I speak faith right now. Come on, join up with somebody and pray tonight. Join up with somebody and pray tonight, God. Oh, we have to have the experience of seeing him who is invisible. You've got to have that. If you're going to work for him, it's not going to come at a time that you feel all excited about. It's going to be through a trial. It's going to be through complication. It's going to be through problems and difficulties. 